what's going on? This is podcast number two. Last podcast, the first podcast was a look inside my latest 2018 EP called Fight Inside, and we took you behind the scenes of the songs and how they were written and what they were written about. So if you haven't listened to that one, go check out episode one. This is episode two. I was trying to figure out what to talk about, so I figured I'd start at the beginning. If you're a fan of mine or just now finding me, if you've been a fan of mine for years, I'm just going to give a preview of the past. So... In the beginning, how did I start playing what's my first uh, experiences with music? I've always loved music. I've always sang. I've always, I've always remember singing, singing along to the radios and, and songs and singing in the car, backseat. My brother told me to shut up all the time. But my first really good memory that where music really started to hit me hard was uh, when I, I think it was 1992. I was about nine years old. And I heard this song on the radio. I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really gotta do is live and die. But I'm in a hurry and don't know why. Don't know why. Alabama, y'all. If you're a country fan, you'll you know who the hell Alabama is. If you don't, then shit, I don't know what to tell you. Go look up Alabama. They were, they, they are icons, and I just would love that song. And I couldn't wait for it to come on the radio. And that was before you kids and your iTunes and your instant downloads. Where you had to, if you want to hear a song again, you had to wait for it. You had to wait for it to come on the radio. And you had these little tricks where you could uh, get a cassette recorder and maybe record the song as it's playing on the radio. But it wasn't always good quality. But one Christmas, my brother, Mr. Brett Wiggins. He uh he bought this cassette tape cassette if you don't know what that is that's pre CDs that's pre iPhones that's pre MP3s that's how old I am or getting but uh cassette tape and I opened it for Christmas and I was freaking out and I ran over to our cassette player and I popped it in And I jammed this song until that tape didn't work anymore. I was hooked, y'all. I was hooked. But but that wasn't when I started playing music myself. That's just when I became a huge fan of music and country. And I did start devouring Garth Brooks songs, Clint Black, George Strait. My mom used to play Spin Elvis records. Uh, I remember, actually, you know what? I was into music way younger than that because I remember my mom spinning Elvis records when I was like three or four, maybe five, somewhere around there. And I remember jumping on the bed at this place, this street called Ridgeland in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, that was our street. So that was that was even further back. So I think Elvis was when I really first started getting into it. But when I really got the bug and started singing and stuff, it was with that Alabama song. But I've been an Elvis fan even longer. So it goes back even further. But I was in school. I was doing the school stuff, playing sports. I was really into baseball, and I got into high school and football. And uh, I would always sing in the locker rooms, the baseball locker rooms, um, sometimes in the classes. And I remember going on field trips, and I was I found Gary Allen, me and my buddy Brandon Clyburn. If you're hearing this, Brandon, what's up? But uh, Brandon introduced me to a guy named Gary Allen. He showed me his song. 
Got a quarter in my pocket. I got a quarter in my pocket. Won't you tell me what I should do? Should I put it in the phone so I can come crawling home to you? Or should I put it in the jukebox and play another heartbreak song? And so, I've been a Gary Allen fan since that first CD. And I used to sing Gary Allen songs, and we'd be on track meets, and the girls would get me to sing Gary Allen songs on the bus. And that's when I realized the power of singing and how it can get you chicks. And so I made it my life's goal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I knew that uh, it, got, it broke the ice and it gets your foot in the door. And so I would sing, I would croon to these lovely women in high school. And I had no idea. I didn't know what the hell I was doing when it came to girls. I was such a loser. I mean, I, I could like, I was a decent looking guy. I was funny and charismatic. But when I sang, they, they came and told me to sing and it got me excited and I was nervous. But that's how I started singing in public is with uh, very timidly in the back of buses. And I think the first song... I remember singing because I could, I don't know, I could just sing it very well. I've always seen Gary Allen songs well. I think my voice kind of fits his. I'm very influenced by Gary Allen. I do a couple of covers still to this day in my live show. But I remember singing this song in the back of the bus to a lovely young lady. Well, I've come to see it's a pattern with me to make a fast getaway. Every time I get a little too near to love. Somebody gets too close, the next thing I know I'm up and gone again Chasing the wind and the distant stars above Oh girl, but I don't know what's been going on since the night we met All I know is I ain't running yet Oh yeah, still love that song. And years later, when I learned my first three chords, I learned this song and I would always play it for my mama. Cause I've been a wildcatter and a go-go-getter, been an SOB. Right down to the letter, I've had misadventures. I've even got pictures, I'm even more than I can stand. But starting today, all I'm gonna be is her man. Man, I'm a huge Gary Allen fan. I see all these other guys in the scene. They've gotten a chance to open up for him, and that's one of my goals. I don't know him. I hope he's a nice guy. You know what they say about never meet your heroes, but sounds seems like a nice guy. Anyways, speaking of my first guitar, my first guitar was a pawn shop, $160. Alvarez acoustic guitar that my dad bought for $160. And uh, I would, I had one of those posters that had all the the chords on it and your finger positions. I've never really had a guitar lesson, never really, really had a, a vocal lesson except for some YouTube stuff that I follow now. But I started playing until my fingers got so tender that you couldn't even touch them on the strings and you'd have to wait a day or two or you just kept playing through them and sometimes they would bleed a little bit. Um, the action on that guitar, the action is how far the strings 
are above the neck. The action on that guitar, and I didn't know you could lower actions now and make it a little bit closer to the fret frets in the in the neck, so you could don't have to push so hard. But it was so so high that you had to squeeze so hard, and it would just kill my fingers. And I didn't know that till years later. But I could have avoided a bunch of pain if we would have known how to fix that problem. But that's how I got my start. And then one stupid day. We were on our way to a baseball tournament with my high school baseball team, and it got rained out. So we turned around, and we still had a full day in front of us, and we were high school kids full of energy. My buddy RJ Gutierrez had a jacked-up single cab, looked like a monster truck, big old mud tires. So me, and I can't remember who was with us, there was another guy with us, I think his name was Jonathan Repka. He, we all went mudding down these country roads, and we got stuck. And the tow truck came out and got stuck. And then another tow tow truck came out, and we all, I think we, once we got towed out, we had to pull a tow truck out, and we just covered in mud and had a hell of a time. And there was a party that night that my buddy August Peters, shout out August, he runs Tundra Entertainment now. And he travels the world filming a lot of the hunting shows you see on major network television. And uh, he's a badass cinematographer and photographer. And uh, he actually helped me shoot behind-the-scenes video of this old cowboy that you can see on YouTube. But August had a party at his house. And his parents were throwing it. His parents are awesome. Brother and sister are awesome. But uh, we started drinking early. I think I smoked a little devil's lettuce. Yeah, I did that back in the day. Um, and I was feeling really good. And I think I was kissing on some lady. And then we were hanging out in the back porch area. And August decided he wanted to wrestle somebody. Now, August is a big old boy. Uh, I don't know how tall you are, August. What are you, like 6'2", six, 6'3"? Six, but I'm about 5'8", and especially back then... I was about 150. August August was probably, I don't know, close to 200 pounds, if not more. He was a big old boy compared to me. And I'm drunk and stoned enough to think that I could take down this guy. So he's sitting there asking people who, who, who wants to wrestle, and I said, me. And so I stood up, and I knew that I just needed to get on his neck and choke him out and hold on for dear life. So I don't know how I did it, but I ended up taking his back, and I'm choking him, and I'm praying to God that he doesn't figure out how to get me off of him, but I'm holding on for dear life. And he's kind of down on one knee, and he throws his body weight back, and it makes me go back with him. And all I felt in my left leg was two big old pops. And I remember, remember Mary Mikulowski. She was sitting in a hammock, and I just remember looking at her. I didn't feel anything yet, maybe because I was intoxicated. But uh, I remember her putting her hands on her mouth and going and screaming a little bit. And I said, August, get off of me. And he's like, what? I said, I think something's wrong. And uh, then the pain started coming in hard. And I remember turning over and banging on the wooden porch because, oh my God, I never experienced 
so much pain. And it was kind of hazy after that. I remembered August, August's dad picked me up. And when he picked me up, my leg dangled. I couldn't move my left ankle. There was no muscle there, tendons there for me to even... I was trying to, but nothing would happen. It was like a noodle. Horrible. And they rushed me to the hospital, and they had to put, I think, eight or nine screws and a metal plate. I'd broke my bone in half and tore every tendon in my ankle. And so that was the end of my baseball career there for high school. Um, the reason I'm telling you the story is because that is when I really started digging into my guitar. I remember my coach, um, Bobby, he was, uh, he was pissed. Bobby Nicholson, Coach Nicholson. And I remembered screaming, like, don't tell Coach that I was drinking and doing something else. Uh, but he found out. And so I was kind of depressed. And so I should have gone to baseball practice after that. But I think I would, I just had this boot on my leg. I couldn't do anything. And I hated seeing my friends and my fellow athletes and baseball players playing, practicing, and going to the game. So I kind of, I kind of just, uh, kind of just backed away from that I should have stayed should have gone to all the practices in the games but I just couldn't do it anymore I was pissed at myself mostly but I I started playing guitar a lot more picking and learning the chords so in a way it was a blessing because I don't know if I would have got as serious as I did so there's the backstory on how I started playing guitar more seriously and I was still in high school and I really hadn't played in front of anybody, but people knew, my friends knew that I sang, and I, I wasn't really good, I don't think. I was just starting out. I didn't really know how to sing. I could carry a tune. But uh, they asked me, some of our friends, and another girl named Stacy Annual, who has a great voice, a beautiful singer, and she would sing in our school and all over the place. And we'd always ask her to sing. She's just a great voice. And they asked her and I, and my friend Angela Chapa would, Chapa would play guitar. And we sang a Jody Messina song at graduation. I've never sang more in front of anybody more than on the bus or in the locker room. And we had to sing this song and it was a girl song. So we got together and rehearsed a little bit. And we sang this, this song at graduation. I don't know how I survived In this cold and empty world for all this time I only know that I'm alive Because you love me When I recall what I've been through. So, you can imagine a Joe D. Messina song and a uh, guy going through puberty had a hard time singing that song. I don't even remember how well I sang it. I just knew I was nervous as hell. But we did it. Angela Chapa, Stacy Annual, if you're listening, we did it. We were stars for the night. People accepted it well and they clapped, but again, I don't know how, how good I sound. Stacy sounded beautiful, as always. But that was my very first time singing in a real public atmosphere in front of thousands of people at a high school graduation. So 
if you want to get over your fears really quickly, do that. I don't recommend it, though. So, speaking of uh, Angela Chapa, she had a little side, uh, I guess, guest house slash garage at her parents' house. And we graduated, and my uh, first drummer, really one of my best friends since I've known him since we were in fifth grade, and we grew up together, Mr. John Diaz. Shout out, John. What's up? Uh, John and I went to UTSA for our first year of college, right out of high school. And uh, John used his uh, tuition money, I think some of his student loans, to buy a drum kit. Very responsible thing to do. And uh, we would drive back. That first year, we drove back almost every week into Pleasanton. That's where I'm from. I grew up in Pleasanton, Texas. That's where I graduated from. A little small South Texas town. And we would drive back because we were just, I mean, we weren't fresh out of college. I don't know how many of y'all drive back home that first year. You eventually never really want to go home after that. After the first, second or third year, you stay away, you get into the college mode. But that first year, we were homesick. So we'd drive back and we would jam in Angela's little spare bedroom garage. And we started our first band, a three-piece band. Two guitar players that barely knew how to play guitar. Uh, barely knew how to drum and I barely knew how to sing, and we would just practice and practice. And I remember getting so angry at Angela and John. I'm sorry if I was too overbearing back then, but I was very serious, and I and I knew back then I wanted to do something with my music. And uh, I would just, we need to practice two, three times a week. And uh, sometimes we got in fights because we didn't get to practice. But that's where it started, in this little tiny garage at Angela Chapa's house. And... Uh, 2001 is when I graduated, so it was around 2001, 2002. I would uh, I entered a a um, karaoke contest at this place in Helotus, Texas, which is right by UTSA, and uh, it was called the Cowboy Bar. It burned down, but if you're following The Voice right now, it's 2018, it's November. There's a guy on there named Dave Finley who's tearing it up, but Dave and I were in that karaoke contest way back in the day. And if you if you saw how Dave got on The Voice, he sang a Travis Tritt song, and he was rocking those Travis Tritt songs way back in the day. And that's how he entered that karaoke contest. And he, had, I'm sure he had way more experience than I did. I was so green, um, barely knew how to sing, but I was a big Tim McGraw fan. And I think I sang The Cowboy and Me. And I don't know how I did it, because I think Dave has a way better voice than me, but I beat Dave Finley. You son of a bitch, that's what's up. I'm just kidding. Uh, he's on the voice now, and I hope I wish him nothing but the best. But uh, I beat Dave Finley that night in a karaoke contest. I, I won the contest. I beat all the people. And uh, I remember Dave being so pissed, and he ran to the bar. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And uh, he started taking shots. But I was like, man, what the shit, man? Sorry. I didn't vote. They did. But uh, that led to my first Monday night acoustic gig song swap with Dave Finley. So my first very live gig that I got paid was at the Cowboy Bar on a Monday night with Dave Finley. And uh, it was a little awkward because I remember him being very angry that he lost. But 
I have to say thank you today because I, I was so green again that if you don't know when you change your guitar strings, if you don't stretch them out a little bit, they don't stay in tune very, very good. And you'll go out of tune in the middle of a song. So I was bought a new pair of strings. I put it on my Alvarez guitar. Um, and I started playing, but I was like, man, I can't keep my guitar in tune. And Dave was, I'm sure he was thinking this dumbass in his head, doesn't even know how to string a guitar properly. But he told me and he taught me how to stretch guitar strings. So thank you, Dave, for introducing me to this world and being with me there on my first gig. Thank you. But that's how it started. And then the Cowboy Bar, I think, eventually burned down. And I don't know what's there now, but it's down the, it used to be down the road from Floor's Country Store. And then I... What, what did I do? Oh, yeah, I entered a Colgate Country Showdown. Now, this was before American Idol and The Voice and all that. But it was the largest country music talent contest, I guess. But I entered the San Antonio area, and I won that. And I got to compete at the state competition for Texas with the people who had won, like, South Texas, North Texas area. And a good buddy of mine to this day, and one of my guitar players, the guy who mainly plays guitar with me now, Mr. Donnie Geyer, this is how I met those guys, but Gabe Garcia, he's another Texas country singer, and he, he got pretty far on Nashville Star years back from Lytle, Texas. Great singer, uh, great songwriter, and he's still going at it too. We did a show a couple of days ago, or a week ago. And uh, Gabe had won the South Texas area, I believe, and so we got to compete against each other at the state competition at Fiesta, Texas in San Antonio. Um, the thing was is that Gabe and Donnie had a band, and they had a band since high school, so they were pretty polished. They were, they were already amazing. And I had no band. I had entered the contest, and the way it worked was you submitted your acoustic track, and then it had a house band. So when I won the San Antonio area, I showed up with no rehearsal, and the band had gotten my, my, my acoustic track on a cassette tape weeks before, and they had learned it. And they had put drums to it, so I'd never heard drums or guitars or what they'd done. And then I had to play with that band to this song that I'd never rehearsed for. So it turned out okay. But then at the Fiesta Texas one, I think it was different guys. And so we had to do it again. So I competed with a band I'd never played with that just probably played my song a couple of times based on that cassette tape. And they were doing that with all the other acts. Um, Gabe and them ended up getting first, and I got second, and they moved on and... I think they went to Las Vegas or somewhere. I don't remember what happened after that, but that was my next step in the music business. And I remember after that show, I I couldn't really like I'd sing three or four songs and my voice would just die. I mean, I just didn't have I didn't have the power. I didn't know what was going on, and so I had to go to a voice doctor, and I had an inflamed blood vessel on my vocal cord. I couldn't. I couldn't sing anymore, and I had to go on vocal rest, and they, they did a video stroboscopy down my throat. Um, well, actually, they went up through your nose and then down your throat, and they could put your vocal cords on a screen, and that's how they found it. Funny story, when they were trying to numb my nose and my throat to do this, the nurse assistant, I guess that's what you call her, was trying to stick this little thing in my nose and spray that numbing spray, but she couldn't get it to come out. So the smart thing she did was pull it out 
and have it right by my face and she couldn't figure out why it wasn't squirting so she pulled the trigger when it was right by my face and it squirted all up in my eyeball and my left side of my face and my whole left side of my face went numb and it's like I had Bell's palsy or something and I was she was freaking out and I couldn't feel my face and it was talking like this and uh, we laughed it off and we got we got the diagnosis but I had to go on uh, vocal rest for like a month and I couldn't really speak or sing or do anything and that's when I started looking into uh, voice lessons and voice YouTube voice recordings and I don't think it was YouTube I think it was a CD um, I can't I just found a vocal I don't remember how I found a, a vocal warm but vocal warm up or CD out there but if you're a singer you're a spy, or an aspiring singer I do not rehearse I do not mess around just playing around the house unless I have done vocal warm-ups and I do vocal warm-ups and exercises almost daily and they're annoying especially the people around you but uh, I have this app called singer's friend and it's like three bucks very uh, very worth it it's, it's worth it uh, and it has all these different scales and I do lip rolls and I go up and down the scales on the five tone scale and I set it at you can set it at like baritone, alto, soprano, whatever you are. And I do the lip rolls all the way up the five tone scale and all the way down to like three passes through and then I do some good goos and gut goes and all that stuff and I loosen up my voice and it exercises your voice and makes your voice stronger. Um Yeah. Anyways, that's for you singers out there. Right around that time is when I I started writing songs. I'd written a song or two in high school. Horrible. I'll try to find the audio of the ver I think I have the audio of the very first song I ever wrote somewhere, but I don't know where. I have to look for it. But I think I had a couple of songs in my pocket. I think this song was one of the very first songs I've I wrote that actually made an album. And it sounds like this. You, you singers out there, but I cringe listening to my old stuff. Whew. That's when you when I was first learning how to sing there. Ah, could carry a tune, but it is what it is. I'm my own worst critic. I've heard comics are like that. I've heard singers are like that, but it's a little tough listening to yourself, but it's part of the deal. Anyways, that was one of the first songs I think. I don't even think it was actually written at this time. I think the melody was there. Because I remember Jimmy Andrews, my good buddy Jimmy, who used to go on the road with us and tour manage us and sell our merch and was just a good friend helping us out on the road. And I think that song uh, was called Lozenges. Jimmy used to suck on these lozenges all the time. He was a freak. And uh, 
I think we would say like lozenges, something. I just had these corny words, words to it, but it was called lozenges in its first form, and it turned turned into "You're the One." <laughs> um, but that was on my first CD called "Only C," and we we had recorded a uh, with my first band when we actually really had a real band. We had recorded a demo, but I will sh- I will get to that I think in the next episode, and we will I'm gonna talk to John. I think John Diaz, our drummer, has a copy of that. Hopefully, one of the guys has that, and we'll showcase the first demo that we did. I think it was at Rosewood Studios in uh, Floresville with great audio engineer and steel player Tommy Dedimore. Um Amazing guy. He plays with a lot of the big acts in the scene. Hell of a player, and, and I think he records like Jason Bolin and a bunch of other guys, but he's a great engineer, producer, extraordinaire and we did it at his studio and there's a funny story about (laughs) my guitar player ricky diaz ricky silly man it was funny we we never let him live it down but he uh left his guitar at home when we went to record we'll talk about that next time this was the beginnings of my music career in a very fast podcast short podcast uh if you have any questions and you want me to dive deeper on anything hit me up on social media um if you want me to talk about anything about our music and behind the scenes stuff uh, i actually texted the guys today my old band and i asked them to send me stories of being on the road they sent some dirty stories and stuff like that that i probably won't mention on the podcast (laughs) but i'll try to get to some dirty stuff that still we're able to talk about but you can imagine life on the road for a good, better part of a decade. Anyways, uh, they're going to send me some stories, and I'm going to try to remember all this, some of the stuff we've done over the years and break it down in chronological music order and do behind the scenes of uh, making the albums and how the songs were written from our first album to my current album, my current EP, which I've already done. So again, go listen to the first podcast, which is a breakdown of my new EP, Fight Inside. And you can see where I'm at musically right now in 2018. If you're listening to this on podcast or on a podcast app or on iTunes, please rate it. Please give me five stars if you enjoy this podcast. It's just another way for me to try to gain new fans and get closer to the fans I already have. Um, With this technology, I am not anywhere near the level of success as an artist I want to be. And so I'm just trying to do everything in my power to spread the word for my music because there's a lot of people that just never even heard my music even though I've been doing this over a decade and uh, I just need to work harder and get my music out there so this is a way for me to do that so if you help spread the word and share this podcast and uh, rate it that'll help me out tremendously and if you're listening thank you I appreciate it I know sometimes listening to somebody talk gets boring but thank you thank you thank you Tune in next time. I'll help spread the word through email and social media, so pay attention for the next episode. But thank you again for listening to this one, and we'll see you next time, guys. Peace.
me again. 